Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I'm very excited to be able to talk with Tom Schwab. Tom, welcome to my show. Meredith, thank you for having me here. Well, Tom, I'm so excited to have you, and um, let me do a more formal introduction for my listeners, so I know they will be excited too as I describe who you are. Tom is the founder and CEO of Interview Valet, and that is the category king of podcast interview marketing. I met Tom because one of my fellow podcasters, Deb Coviello, had posted on social media a picture of his book, which I went out and immediately bought because of her recommendation. It's called Podcast Guest Profits. Grow Your Business with a Targeted Interview Strategy. And what's interesting is we all know that we live in a noisy digital world. And the truth is, you can't break through the noise. You just add to it. So instead, you need to get in on the conversation where your ideal customers are already listening. And that's where Tom comes in. Tom is a Navy veteran who ran nuclear power plants, and he has experience as an inbound marketing engineer. So he has a refreshingly unique approach. He focuses on a time-proven strategy and then supercharges it with today's technology and podcast interview marketing. So today, I'm talking with Tom about how you can get more traffic, more leads, and raving customer fans by interviewing, by being interviewed as uh, a guest on Targeted Podcasts. So Tom, let's jump into this. There are so many questions I had from your excellent book. I highly recommend folks read that. But before we go into details, tell us a little bit about how you, you know, came upon this journey of becoming an expert on podcast interview marketing. Well, it really, I see life as a evolution, not a revolution. So, you know, um, 20 years ago, um, uh, blogs were the thing. And one of the hacks that used to we use was guest blogging getting on other people's blogs. So instead of me writing a blog and having it seen by three people, well, I'll put it on Wall Street Journal, Fortune, wherever my audience is, get that no like, and trust. So my last company, we had built it up with blogs. It was an e-commerce company. It was one of of HubSpot's earliest e-commerce case studies. Hmm. And so built that up from a regional player to a national leader. And after I sold that, Um, I was working with uh, some different people in a mastermind group and they said, hey, could you help us with our digital marketing? And one of the things I realized was that nobody likes writing blogs. Um, A lot of people, I shouldn't say nobody, a lot of people are like me and think of them as homework assignments. And the other thing is that blogs weren't working nearly as well as they used to. This was 2014. 
And so with that, I hypothesized that you could use targeted podcast interviews almost like we used to use guest blogging. So we tested it. It worked well. Uh, wrote a, a really cheesy book. It was just a, a short PDF. It was a precursor to that one. Um, and uh, people said, hey, could you help me do this? So in 2015, uh, we started to do a done-for-you service. We tested it. It became Interview Valet, and now we've grown to a team of over uh, of 18 that serve over 120 clients, a lot of authors, coaches, speakers, and brands to help them get their word out there. Oh, that's great. Well, as my uh, audience is listening to us talk today, at the end, we'll have an opportunity for you to explain how they can get in touch with you if they're intrigued about your service, because I think it's really phenomenal. What I'm wondering is why is it that the strategies that most business owners are using today really are not effective at breaking through the noise? And maybe you could talk about some of those besides blogging. What are some other things you see them doing and why are they falling short on their results? Well, and I think we have to figure out who is telling us to keep breaking through the noise. And often it's the people that are selling us the megaphones. So they're selling us the, uh, the social media. They're selling us the, the paid ads. They're selling us all of this. So it's in their interest to keep the volume increasing. So you have to buy the newest and the loudest thing. Um, the other thing is often I think that people try to take the lessons from low-cost e-commerce and apply them to their business. And I think there's a great difference between trying to sell a, a $5 product online as opposed to a $5,000 coaching, right? One is just a transaction. I, I always use the example of earbuds, right? Uh, my earbuds, um, I get the cheap ones because they go through the wash so often. To me, it's a disposable <laughs> commodity. I really don't care who's ever got the, the newest one and I'll, I'll buy the cheapest one. But that's a transaction. That's not growing a business. And so I don't think that you can use the same principles there than you could for a coach or a consultant or a brand. You know, I'm not going to hire my, my lawyer or my CPA or my business coach because they had that same ad that somebody did for earbuds. So I think often it's that we're trying to use the wrong tools, the wrong strategy, or we're just looking for this silver bullet that'll make everything okay. And to me, it's like I've tried a lot of silver bullets in my life. None of them work. And I think often, um, I think my grandfather, God rest his soul, could have told me more about digital marketing than most of the things out there. You know, he understood that growing a business was about having people know, like, and trust you. That it was not about how many new customers can you get, but how many of the ideal customers can you get? How long can you keep them? How can you serve them? How can they bring other people to you? And I think he would have said, if you want to grow your business, get introduced by influential people. Now, for him, that meant the, the local Rotary Club or the local Kiwanis. Maybe it was a, a round of golf. Well, for us, it means how can you work with people that already have an established audience? And to me, the easiest way to do that today is through podcast interviews. You know, the studies say that the person that's listening to a podcast interview is above average income, 
above average education. Uh, they listen to 70% of the podcast. So you think about it, um, I could go to a, um, a, a live event and I'm not sure that every, everybody's listening to even the person on the stage, but on a podcast, there's no distractions. You're in their ears. So to me, it just sort of makes sense. It's like, wow, you know, you're going to invite me to your, your party. You're going to introduce me. You're going to let me talk for 30 or 45 minutes and I don't have to travel anywhere. And it's going to be, you know, evergreen. So even somebody that, uh, you know, couldn't have made it to the, the physical party, um, they can hear it for years afterwards. To me, podcast interview is amazing. There's a lot of problems in this world, but there is no better time to be alive. Well, I love that. And as someone who's an avid podcast listener, I can attest to the fact that it's really worked well. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking, you know, the other thing, and you hinted at it, I'm not sure you said it overtly, is that people are listening because they want to be there. You know, they've chosen to, you're not trying to keep their attention because they're already a fan of the host. And so they have sort of implicitly trusted that host. If they're going to invest their time in listening to them interview someone, they're kind of trusting. And so I can't, I can't even tell you how many books I've bought because of guests that I've heard on podcast interviews. So I'm probably a good example of the kind of audience that you're referring to. Yes. You're describing, you know, some of the benefits of getting um, in there. Now, I want to go deeper with some of the things you said in your book, and I really recommend folks get your book, and we'll talk at the end how they can do that. And there's also some evolution, I think, that's happened since you first published your book. And so I want to get into that too. But what I'm curious about and what I think my listeners may be asking first is how does someone go about identifying the podcast that they should try to get on? Because it isn't a shotgun approach that you recommend. In fact, you talked about a kind of a five-part test that you recommend um, someone use in evaluating which are the best podcasts to get on. Yeah. And with that, I mean, when I wrote the book, I think the numbers that I used in there was that there was hundreds of thousands of podcasts. Well, as of today, there's 1.8 million podcasts. Wow. So you don't have the time in your lifetime to be on all of those shows, nor is every show the same worthwhile. Um, you know, bigger is not better. Better is better. And so with that, the, the algorithm that we use really looks at, at five things that we talk about. The first one is the podcast itself. I mean, do they have your ideal listeners in it? I mean, there could be a great podcast right now for, um, uh, for expectant mothers. It could be a huge podcast, but do they really want to know about podcast interview marketing? Probably not. So you've got to find one that's got the ideal audience. The other thing that in that podcast um, is the there's a little asterisk next to that number of there's 1.8 billion or excuse me million podcasts is that not all of them have published in the last 30 days. Many po podcasts have started and then they've died, and most die within the the first 10 episodes. So when you're going on a podcast, you want to make sure that you know if you're episode number seven that they don't 
end at episode number eight because no one will ever hear that. So you really want to look at a podcast that's got more of a track record. Um, So the podcast is the first thing. The second thing is really the website. And podcasts give you backlinks. So you look and say, does the podcast have a, um, a website? Are they capturing show notes? Are they giving you links back and forth? Because that's how people are going to find you long-term. We've got some clients that do podcast interviewing just for the backlinks because it's such a valuable thing for mm-hmm. it. The third thing is the reach, right? So with that, people will say, well, how many people am I reaching? Well, there's download numbers, and a download is not the same thing as a listen. And honestly, I don't think that's a really important number. But if you look at it all together, is it reaching the right people? Are they promoting this on social media? Are they promoting it on their email? Is it social media that makes a difference? Right. So if someone came to me and said, this podcast has a million TikTok listeners or TikTok subscribers, I would look at that and say, well, that's wonderful, but my ideal customers aren't on TikTok. So, you know, good for them, but it's probably not a good podcast for me. The next one is really talking about, is it consistent with your company and your brand? You were judged by the people that we expose ourselves to and, and, and the company that we keep. So you listen to the podcast and say, does this help me? Is this, is this company that I want to be um, in, known by, right? So if you've got a, a, a brand that is clean, right? If, you're, if you have a, a charity that is, has to deal with, with kids or something like that, you may not want to go on a podcast that is explicit. You may not want the, the, the guest before you or after you to be explicit because people are going to say, oh, they're going to start questioning you with that. Mm-hmm. And finally, I would say one of the things that we have seen is that often the audience is like the host or aspires to be like the host. So with that, think about it. Would the host be an ideal customer for you? Mm -hmm. And if not, their audience probably isn't an ideal customer for you. And Meredith, let me give you an example of this. There was a a client that uh, we uh, talked to about working together, and he wanted to sell to Fortune 100 CEOs. And I'm like, yep, that's an audience that we could get you in front of. And then he threw out the name of a podcast and he said, I'd love to be on this podcast. And it's a great podcast, but the host was in his mid twenties and every episode episode started with yo, 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 this is so-and-so. And I'm like, that's a great podcast, but not for you. Right. Do you think fortune 100 CEOs are going to listen to that podcast? And, uh, He's like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, so if you go on that podcast, it's because you like the host. You want to be an an ego thing of you being on that show, but don't expect that's going to turn into business. So all of those things are important. And uh, as you go through to find the best podcast, none of us have the time to go on 1.8 million podcasts. No. Or encourage people, go on better podcasts, just not more podcasts. You know, one of the things that was really helpful in your book, and you alluded to it with the list you just gave, is being really clear about who it is you do want to work 
with? Who is your ideal client? Because if you don't have that kind of clarity, it's going to be hard to know which podcast you should try to get on, right? Mm -hmm. I think that that's a, a critical element that uh, it, it, it uh, eliminates that thing of, well, my message or my product or my services are for everybody. Well, let's get a little bit more specific about that. And you, I know you do such a good job of helping different folks, you know, get in front of their ideal audience. And you hit on something else that I think is really critical, which is don't get hung up on the number of downloads. In other words, those aren't the metrics to pay attention to. It's more, do are they speaking to your ideal audience? Because that's where you get the best response, right? It is. And there's more fish in the ocean than there are in a barrel. But if you can find a barrel of your ideal fish, wouldn't you go there every time as opposed to heading out to the ocean and, and trying to find something? And so I, I focus on that. There's this, bigger is not better. Better is better. And like you said, that um, there's a lot of wonderful podcasts out there. There's a lot of wonderful people, but there's a big difference between nice people and nice customers. And so if you're just talking to nice people on podcasts, you know, people that don't have the buying decision, people that don't have the funds, people that maybe not understand the pain that you're even talking about. Well, you'll have a lot of nice interviews, but then you'll wonder, wow, how come nobody is, is, um, is buying? Mm -hmm. And often you can't say enough of the wrong things to the right people or the right things to the wrong people. I always say on a, a podcast interview, people are either turning you up or turning you off. Mm. And either way, that's fine, right? You just want to make sure that you get on podcasts where there are people that will turn you up, uh, that you've got context for them. And most of the time, hosts are really good about that. You know, they'll look at somebody and say, I just don't see where this brings value to my audience. That's such an important key. And it ties in with the next thing I wanted to explore with you, because in our first conversation, you said something I even made a note of. You said, you don't use the word pitch anymore. You banish that. We used to call these, you know, one sheets, you know, your, um, your pitch sheet to get the attention of a podcast host. Talk a little bit about why you've stopped using that word. What was wrong with it? And what have you replaced it with? And in my mind, you pitch a baseball you introduce a human being. And I think it's dehumanizing. And I know where the word came from, right? In traditional PR, you would pitch an idea to a journalist, uh, pitch an idea for a story. And somehow that turned into, I'm going to pitch a person for your podcast. And I think that is very transactional. It's dehumanizing. And nobody wants to be pitched somebody. You know, I think of, I think of it when, uh, when I met my, uh, my future bride, right? One of my buddies did not, hey, there's a girl that I want to pitch to you. I think you would really like her. You know, um, that, that sounds romantic, doesn't it? If somebody said that to you, it's like um, uh, you, you would probably go, no, I'd like to pitch a friend to you, Meredith. No, it's introduce. I'd like to introduce somebody to you. And that's what we really focus on. And um, I, I, I loathe the word pitch now because I get pitched probably, I don't know, 
two, three, maybe four times a day to be on my podcast. And everyone sounds the same thing. Tom, we, we love uh, your podcast and, and would love to have so-and-so as a guest on there. The only problem, Meredith, is I don't have a podcast. And so they're just lying to me, right? So they're pitching me and there's no, there's no connection. There's no um, trying to build a relationship. It's just a very, very transactional. And I, I, I don't like that. Um, even in digital marketing, this idea of pushing people or pushing people in a funnel or all the rest of that. It's like, no, we're, we're humans. Help them along in the sales process, but never forget you're working with, with a human. And so that's what we do. We, we introduce clients. And so we introduce, we've got 18 people on our team. They've got relationships with podcasters um, and they reach out there and say, I would love to introduce you to our new client. I think there's this synergy that they've got there. And to do an introduction, you have to know both people. Um, And so that's really what we focus on there. That's great. Well, I can tell you as someone who has a podcast, when somebody pitches me, or, you know, really literally does that, they send a standard description of either themselves or the person that they're representing. I, I have a folder I file them in, you know, for maybe or just inquiries. But where it gets my attention, and this is what I'd like you to talk about, um, for those that would like to be a guest, some of the tips I will tell you what has worked well for me on the receiving end is someone who says, not I've listened to your podcast and I love it because that's very generic because I've found if I write back and say, oh, which episode or episodes did you listen to? I get crickets, right? They mm-hmm. didn't. <laughs> it's just a standard thing they say. But if someone approaches me and says, I listened to your interview with so-and-so and and I took away these points and what I talk about ties in really nicely with what seemed to be the themes of your podcast and they can describe exactly what they could offer my audience. They've got my attention. And it's that idea of, um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk says, serve, 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 or no, jab, 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 right hook. I look at that as serve, 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 ask. Yes. Right. So, you know, um, if you want to be on somebody's podcast, what gives you the right to even ask? I'd say you have to serve first. And that means listen to the podcast, you know, leave a rating and review. We're all vain. We all listen for our own name. If you leave a podcast or a rating and review, they'll see it. And maybe mention it on social media, make a comment on there, share it. Um, now you've done some value. The podcaster will know who you are. Then you can reach out and say, yeah, Meredith, you know, I was listening to this podcast. I really liked this guest. Um, I liked these three things he said. I'm not sure about that fourth one, um, but I got a lot out of it. And I think there's some things that I could offer your audience based on that, right? So now you're, you're serving, you're serving, um, you're not saying, I'd like to pitch my newest book. No, you're, you're serving. And what happens there is you'll find out that the podcast host is asking you to be um, a guest. And so then it's, you know, if you come with a heart to serve, um, people want to have you there. If you show up to pitch and use their audience, they're protective of their friends, as they should be. Mm-hmm. What mistakes do you see 
people making in approaching podcasters about being on their shows? I think you mentioned it right there where somebody says, I can scale this up and I can do this, right? It's, it's, today, it's just as easy to send out a thousand cold emails as it is to send out one meaningful and I've heard some people will say, well, you know, I sent out a thousand and, uh, you know, I got uh, 20 that said yes. Well, are those the 20 you really wanted? Um, and if they said yes to you, won't they say yes to everybody? Why don't you just start with the, here's the 20 dream podcasts that I have. And it's not that, you know, they're the, the biggest one. You don't start with, you know, I want to be on Michelle Obama's podcast. You know, uh, start ones that are reasonable, people that uh, you listen to, that you think your customers listen to, and start working with the relationship with there. Um, because often the most important conversation you have is with the host, right? If they already own or have access to that audience, why wouldn't you want to start a friendship and a relationship with them? You know, they could invite you once on the, on the podcast and then they could, you know, invite you to, to, to guest blog for them. They could invite you to speak at their event. There's all kinds of things there. So I think today, I think a lot of people make the mistake of, I can, so I will. You know, I can just as easily send this to 10,000 people as I do one. Well, just because you can doesn't mean you, you should. And uh, I, I know that I'm on lists that get bought. Because all of those people that pitch me to be on their podcast, um, they bought it from a list. And often you'll say, well, um, it doesn't do any harm. It does do harm. Um, you know, there's the Hippocratic Oath with doctors, first do no harm. And podcasters know podcasters. And I can't tell you the number of podcasters that have forwarded on emails to me and said, you know, this is one of the worst pitches I've ever seen. What do you think of it? And it's like, you don't want to be seen there or you don't want to be associated with that. And they'll, they'll talk about people that way. And all of a sudden you, you have a bad experience with one podcaster. And then you wonder why you can't get in with other podcasters because well, podcasters, no podcasters. Now flip that around the other side. If you do a fantastic job, they know podcasters. They'll introduce you to other podcasters. They'll help you out. I think of, um, uh, there's a host, uh, Doug Sandler from the Nice Guys on Business podcast. And I love what he said one time. He said, if you do well as a guest on my podcast, you don't have to promote yourself. He said, if you do a good job, I'll promote you better than you ever could. And I think too many people forget about that. Mm, that's such an excellent point. And of course, one of my whole purposes in life is serving. So I love your serve, 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 ask, uh, because I do think that too often we jump, we skip those serve steps and jump to asking and wonder why uh, we, we get a negative or no response. And I want to, I really want to reemphasize what you just said about not going for quantity. You know, if you take time to really listen to somebody else's podcast and then approach them and you were only to do, say, one a day, that could get you so much more mileage than going with the quantity like you're talking about. Because you can't have probably a thousand ideal 
podcast, right, that you would want to be on, it kind of shows a laziness that you haven't taken time to, again, really think about who's my ideal audience, who serves them as a podcaster already. I almost think some people are out there speed dating, right? If you want to find the perfect spouse, how are you going to do that? Um, I guess you could go on, you know, a thousand speed dates and from the, the one or two interactions there, pick the best one. I, I don't think that works for most people, you know, build those relationships because one of the, the core values of our company is that relationships are the ultimate currency. So that podcaster, they might not be a customer, but they know customers. They know other podcasters. And today it's amazing how fast your reputation gets out there. Um, you know, one of our clients is a cybersecurity analyst. And remember, Meredith, in uh, like Y2K, it was six degrees of separation or six mm-hmm. degrees of, of Kevin Bacon. Uh-huh. Um, now that number, I guess, is down to um, 3.2. So that's 3.2 degrees of separation from somebody like in North Korea. Think about in the United States or in the podcasting community. So it's probably more like two. So if you have a bad experience with a, with a host, you don't show up, you're, um, you don't show up with good equipment, you're not gracious when you're there. People know people. And, uh, you know, um, halo effect works wonder, wonderful. You know, uh, what, what's that? Um, karma? Karma is a wonderful thing or it's an awful thing. So if you treat people well, karma is going to come back with all of that. If you don't, it's going to come back and get you. Well, let's build on that because what you just said is so important. And in your book, you talked about this and I was so glad you did. You know, what does it mean to be the ideal guest? If we talk about standards and what would be standards for an ideal guest, what would cause a host to want to recommend you to other podcasters. What, what does that look like? And you know, it's funny that the bar for an ideal guest, that has gone up since I even wrote the book, right? So some of the things on ideal guest is audio equipment. What was acceptable two years ago on audio would be a joke right now. And, you know, God love NPR, BBC, all the rest of those. When they came into podcasting, they raised the level. So make sure when you show up that you've got professional sounding equipment. You don't want to sound like an amateur there. Um, The other thing right now is also video. We've seen more and more of this. Um, uh, Recently, the number of podcasts that include video, one in three. So make sure that you look professional on, um, on the video. And that could be, you know, the camera could be the background, even just how you show up. So if you want to be seen as a professional, make sure you sound like a professional and you look like a professional. The other thing is that I think we forget what it means to be a guest. And this is something that I I didn't talk about in the book, but it's a a theme that has been more on my heart is what's an an ideal dinner guest, right? So Meredith, if you invited me over to, to be the guest of honor at a dinner party uh, for all of your friends and you're going to introduce me and I get to talk to them. Well, what would you expect of a guest? Well, somebody that shows up on time, somebody that compliments the guest, right? And doesn't just try to take all of their time. Somebody that values the audience. 
um, someone that that follows up and, and gives value, makes people feel like they're special there. And so many times I've seen people that they they disrespect the audience and they'll come in and and not prepare for the podcast, not show up on time. And you think about it, if I was if I was talking on a stage, a physical stage, Meredith, and you invited me and said, I've got this conference. I'm going to have a thousand people there. Um, and uh, could you speak there? Well, I wouldn't say, well, I've done a thousand Zoom calls. I, I don't need to prepare. You know, I'll just wing it as I go. Or um, I'll show up and I'll have no idea who the audience is. Or I'll show up and uh, I, I, won't, I won't worry what I look like. It doesn't matter. No one would think of winging it in front of an audience of of a thousand on a digital on a physical stage, no one th- would think of winging it if they got invited to a a dinner party with with ten people. But yet, a lot of people will say, "Well, it's just a podcast interview, and uh, I'll just make it up as I go." And it's funny you hear them sometimes will they'll mispronounce the host's name, they'll not understand what the, the podcast is about. They won't understand the, the inside jokes. Um, I've heard people uh, refer to it, you know, not know the podcast name as they're doing it. Now, those are all common things that you should do as a guest, whether or not you're a, a, a guest on a physical stage, at a dinner party, or on a podcast. They're so important, and, and they seem like they'd be such common sense. It's kind of shocking to listen to you describe some of the basic things that, um, that folks wouldn't do. And to me, looking at what could be done to really exceed the host's expectations, what have you seen some of the most memorable guests do that yes. caused the host to come back to you and say, Tom, thank you for sending me that person. And with that, you think about it, was how, you, how can you stand, stand out? Well, one of the bare minimums is go ahead and amplify the, the, um, the event. So promote it to your audience too. The host has put a lot of time in preparing for this, recording it, um, making it live. They're going to promote it on their social media. You should promote it on your social media also. And when they promote you or they promote you and tag you, acknowledge it. You know, mention it in there. There's little things you can do, like um, as soon as you get off the interview or before the interview, say, you know, I'm so excited. Um, to talk with this podcast host, give them a little shout out. Um, you can do little videos for them. Um, one of the things that that I love to do is just find out their their address, right? Their mailing address, and send them a thank you card. Send them a little gift. Send them a copy of your book. Whatever it is, just to stand out. And you think about most people don't do that, but the people that do always make the difference there. And some people will say, well, it's not scalable. Well, no, if you're trying to do 20 interviews a day, it may not be scalable. But if you're trying to do one great interview a week, it's very, it's very scalable mm-hmm. and it's meaning, meaningful too. Um, and then even just keeping in touch with them. I can't tell you, Meredith, the number of friends that I have made through being a podcast host. 
You know, I love Virginia. And someday uh, when the world changes and we get to travel again, if I'm in a city or if I'm like in, um, uh, in a state, I'll look up and say, who do I know here? I know a podcast host here. Let's, you know, grab a cup of coffee or something like that. And uh, it makes a world of difference. You know, it really does. And I want to just share a couple of examples from my own experience being a guest, where what you're saying is absolutely on target. One of the hosts, I sent a thank you note, but also a a nice mug. It didn't have his name on it or anything, but it was a classy um, travel mug. And he called me and he said, Meredith, I got to tell you, my my, uh, middle school age daughter when that arrived, said, oh, that is really cool. I want to take it to school. (laughs) And so (laughs) the fact that his daughter really liked it made an emotional impact with him. And, um, And he still remembers that. And another person I had given a gift to um, a few years ago, recently contacted me and he said, I'm still using that mug you sent me. And so, you know, people, when you give something tangible, that people can keep and actually use, it really um, makes a difference. And I think um, it helps make you memorable. So I just want to confirm what you're saying. And the idea of, of continuing the relationship, I think, is also really important. Building that rapport so that, um, you know, these are people in your corner that want to support and help you when you have a request for them. So uh, in fact, when I launched, um, I launched two books this year. And in both cases, I reached out to the hosts whose shows I'd been on, as well as the guests that I've had on my show. And the outpouring of support from them was really wonderful. And I could see that it tied back into the fact that I've been of service to them as well. It wasn't a one-way street. It, so, was a, it was a relationship, not just a transaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, another thing I wanted to get into with you, because I think it's so important, when somebody is going to be on a podcast, their hope is that some of the listeners will have an interest in what they say, because these are their ideal prospective clients. So what are your um, suggestions for helping someone turn a listener into a lead? What, what, What is it they need to do? I think you need to make it easy for them. So make it easy for them to see how they, you could help them. So tell them, you know, this is who I work with. You know, we work with authors, coaches, speakers, brands, you know, this is what we do for them. The other thing that we have found through our um, testing is that every digital marketer will tell you one call to action. Now, I don't disagree with them there, but every time we have tested it over the last six years, 500 plus clients on over 20,000 interviews, three calls to action, three offers always work best, right? Meet people where they are. And we always talk about it being a small yes, a medium yes, and the heck yes. So the small yes, maybe you're talking about your book, right? Well, I might love to read the book, but you know what? I've got a stack of five or six there. Um, I promised my wife I wouldn't buy any more books until these were read. Um, Maybe I'm going into a busy time. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy the book right now. Well, is there a checklist that you could give? 
Could there be, you know, the, the cliff notes of it, you know, the summary of the book and things that you can use right now, just a quick win. Maybe it could be a, you know, a self-assessment, 10 questions to ask yourself that, that quick win of it to get some back to your website, get them to look around. So that could be the small yes. The medium yes could be a book. It could be some face-to-camera video. It could be something that builds that relationship up a little bit more. And then that heck yes is if somebody listens to you for 30 or 45 minutes and they're like, wow, Meredith works with people like me. She understands my problem. I want to work with her. Well, you know, don't slow them down in a funnel. There's a great book called uh, Click Sand, How Digital Marketing is Ruining Your Business. And I love how Bill Troy in there says, whales don't swim through funnels and big fish don't click. So if you're selling consulting, um, high-end products, well, don't push everybody through the funnel. If they've listened to you for 30 or 45 minutes, they want to interact give them some way to do that. So those are all ways that you can do, you know, the small yes, the medium yes, and the heck yes. And I'll, I'll pull the curtain behind, you know. Um, at the end of this, I'll talk about, hey, there's a, you know, um, uh, an assessment that you can take. And it'll tell you, will podcast interview marketing for, work for you? You know, my medium yes is always, I'll give you a, a copy of my book. Meredith, I'm, I'm honored that you bought my book. Um, if you would have asked, I would have probably sent you a free copy. So I'll, I'll give that free copy away to people. And then, you know, the heck yes is just, if I can help people, well, just come back there, jump on my calendar, and I'd love to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to tell you <clears throat> that that is one of the ideas that you shared in your book that we have implemented in terms of setting up a, uh, a landing page for when I am a guest on a show. We've got a free ebook that's an excerpt of our book so people can get the book or just the free ebook or learn more about the more um, the more expensive software programs that we offer. So thank you for helping us clarify our thinking about that. You have so much richness to share and you had so many additional free resources that you made available, you know, from your book that, you know, was a whole other area that um, you made possible. So you, to me, Tom, you exhibit what you recommend in your book about serving, giving, and providing value to other people. And so we really are getting close to the end of our time together. So you've just described these um, things that you give. Tell us more about that and where people can learn more about you, depending on the kind of yes they're ready to make. Yeah. So pulling back the curtain here, what we have found in all of our studies is send people to one page. Just don't send them to your homepage because, you know, we're recording this at one time. You could be listening to this two years from now. Somebody in, in 2025 is listening to this. And if they go to my homepage, I hope it's different in five years. But I want them to get whatever we talked about. So we call them welcome pages. So if you go to interviewvalletvcom forward slash SFP for strong for performance podcast, um, you'll see what a welcome page looks like. And so with that, um, the small yes is always, will this work for me? It's not magic. It's not a trick. It's a system. And so there's a series of 10 questions. You could answer those questions 
and it'll give you a score one to a hundred, whether or not podcast interview marketing will work for you. And it'll give you some suggestions on what you could do to make it work better. So that's the small yes, right? We're pulling behind the curtain there. Mm -hmm. The medium yes over at interviewvalet.com forward slash SFP is a copy of my book. Um, You know, I, I sell a lot on Amazon. I give more away because I just want people to know this information. So uh, if you go there, if you're in the U.S., I'll mail you a copy. Uh, If you're outside the U.S., I'll email you a copy. And we've even got the audio version that uh, should be out here anytime. And then finally, the heck yes over there is that if you listen to this and it made a lot of sense and it's like, hmm, I wonder how I could use this. I wonder if Interview Valet could help me. Well, I'll put my calendar scheduling link there. So you can grab a time. We can go through a a 30-minute um, strategy call, and we can talk about your business and how you may be able to grow your brand and your business with podcast interview marketing. And all of that's over there at interviewvalet.com forward slash SFP for Strong for Performance Podcast. Oh, that is great, Tom. Thank you. I know my listeners will Uh, just gain so much value if they take advantage of one and two for sure. And then once they um, have had a chance to learn more about you and how you can make it easy for them by providing this wonderful white glove valet service that you have. um, I just think that would be wonderful because so many folks who listen to my show love delivering the specific services that they offer. And of course they love talking about them but the marketing aspect of you know doing that level of work is what you provide so beautifully for your clients. And so I know there are a certain number of my listeners that will probably say, wow, I need to talk to Tom because if he can do this for me and get me in front of my ideal audience, I'm, I gladly make that investment because they'd rather be spending that time doing what it is they love to do. And that's one of the things we always focus on is to get to people the maximum return on investment of their money and their time. Um, you know, one of our early clients, uh, I talked with them and he said, I love working with you because Sinatra only sang. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And he's like, well, Sinatra was a hardworking guy. He was a smart guy, but he realized the best use of his time was performing. So uh, he said, you let me be the guest and you take care of all the rest. And I'm like, oh, that's good copy. I'm writing that down. Uh-huh. That became our tagline uh, from our, our client. Well, that's perfect. And, you know, as we wrap up, Tom, I would love for you to share uh, an example of a transformation story. What's an example of one of your clients who used your services and what results did they get by being a guest on the shows that you helped them get placed on? You know, one that comes to mind is uh, Dr. Sharon Spano. And uh, it came to mind because I was just talking with her the other day and she had uh, uh, given us a video testimonial, but she had a new book coming out, uh, The Pursuit of Time and Money. And so she got on early to do some pre-sales with that book. And as she was doing that, she was selling the book, but she was also realizing, well, I really like podcasting here. And so she started her own podcast there. And as she did more interviews, she's like, you know, the people that I seem to deal best with are family businesses. And she hadn't really focused on that before. But those were the people that related with her the best, that, that came back from there. 
So she started to pivot and say, no, I'm going to focus more on consulting for family businesses. And heck, before the um, COVID hit, uh, in a matter of a, a couple of years, she went from just having the book pre-launching that. She had the book, then she had the podcast, um, then she had consulting clients. She had an online course that had come out of that and she was doing live events. And she said, all of that started with talking about my passion, talking about my book, having those discussions on targeted podcast interviews. You know, one of the, the phrases I've heard a lot is that you're one funnel away. It may be great marketing, but I realize that the best things in my life have come from a conversation. I believe we're all one conversation away, one conversation from having that great new customer, one conversation away from finding that great new team member, one conversation away from finding a new business partner. And I think today, while there's a lot of problems in the world, there's no better time to be alive. And you can have those discussions at scale as a podcast guest. Fabulous. Wonderful, wonderful way to, to conclude our conversation, Tom, because what, as I was listening to you to describe her, it, it just reminded me of how we all need to take that one step, you know, and that taking that one step, whatever it was, maybe we were hesitant to do can reveal to us what the next step is yeah. and things that we hadn't even anticipated before. So that, that was just a great story on, on a number of levels. Tom, you have been a fabulous guest. I really appreciate all the tips you've shared today. And anyone listening who has an interest in being a guest on a podcast show will take away a wealth of information that can help them. And so thank you for all the resources that you have uh, shared here at the end for how people can find you, get information about you. And I just want to thank you for the good work you're doing in the world. Well, thank you, Meredith. And I appreciate all you do. Anybody that says doing a podcast is easy, has never done it or never done it well. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and I appreciate you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.